Welcome to Uncomfortable Is Okay, where we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone, navigating challenge, and doing the hard things that make life worth living. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Uncomfortable Is Okay is brought to you by Health Mentors. Health Mentors is a performance well-being company that helps change makers dial in their health and improve their performance in the middle of a chaotic world. We offer one-on-one health mentoring services, as well as a range of workshops and workplace solutions, all the way up to supporting organizations with their well-being strategy. You can find out more at healthmentors.nz or get in contact with Chris at healthmentors.nz. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. Today, I am joined by Belinda Morgan. Belinda is a coach, an author, and a flexible work specialist. Her recent work includes advising a global tech company on their part-time work strategy, coaching executives at a big four bank, and working with a large insurer to design a refreshed talent management strategy. In In her work as a consultant, Belinda has seen firsthand how cultures that glorify overwork and prioritize profits above all else can be highly damaging to people's well-being productivity and results. She's also seen and experienced the enormous positive difference it can make when you find work that's both both fulfilling and flexible. And as a result of these experiences, she's now passionate about helping organizations and individuals successfully embed flexible work arrangements in a way that benefits everyone. Val, thank you so much for joining me. It's wonderful to have you here today. Thanks, Chris. I'm looking forward to our chat. I really like to start things off just by getting a little bit of background about you. So where are you, where are you from? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Mm, I was born in a country town called Fords out in central west New South Wales in Australia. And I grew up on a farm out there. So I spent most of my early life out there. Yeah. Cool. And we've had a couple of conversations before and I didn't actually know that about you. There you go. (laughs) So uh, you were there kind of until you went to university? I actually went to boarding school in Sydney because the schools were a long way from our farm. So a lot of kids out there end up at at boarding school. So I've kind of lived in Sydney for a lot of my life since I was about 12 years old. Yeah. So kind of geographically, how far away is Forbes from Sydney if you're driving? If you drive, it takes about six hours. So, yeah, decent, okay. decent track out there. Yeah. yeah. I think like living in New Zealand, everything is it's pretty close. Like you could almost drive from Wellington to Auckland in six hours if you had <laughs> traffic well. Yeah. The, the, the scale is, is definitely different. Belle, what do you remember from kind of growing up that has pointed you down this path that you're on today? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I thought about that a bit recently. One of the things that I experienced growing up was that my dad actually worked from home because he is a farmer and his office, you know, part of being a farmer is working out on the farm, which is kind of home, but a little bit away. But a lot of it is also doing office work. And so his office was inside a house. So interestingly, you know, in the context of what's gone on in the past few years, that's something I experienced growing up having. My dad, my mum wasn't working early on when I was a child, so she was at home and my dad was working at home. And I think that has really 
played a part in influencing my interest in how can we have interesting and meaningful careers that we enjoy, but also do it flexibly and have time for other things in our life, whether that's family or whatever else it might be that you want to spend your time on. Yeah. And have you always been engaged in interesting, meaningful, flexible work? Or is that something that you have <laughs> come to more recently? I think definitely not the flexible piece so much, but I have always been interested in the topic. So even right back to thinking when I left uni and started a grad role, I was an accountant back then um, and was working in one of the big four accounting firms. And one of the first things I noticed, there was lots of amazing things about working there. I met nice people at the time. The work I found pretty interesting. But one of the first things I noticed was the crazy hours people were working and how exhausted the partners in the firm were to work. You know, they seemed pretty old to me back then, but they were probably only late 30s to early 40s. And At our age. <laughs> pretty much. I'm so old. And I just kind of looked around and thought, this isn't where I want my career to go or this isn't, this isn't what I see myself doing when I'm in my late 30s or early 40s. And so that question was seeded pretty early on, thinking back around, how can I keep doing work I enjoy, but do it in less hours? I wasn't thinking about the concept of flexible work, but one of the things I did was I left that firm after a year for that very reason and intentionally sought out a slightly smaller firm that had a good reputation for having more life balance for their employees. How old were you at the time? Early 20s? Yeah, I was, yeah, early 20s. Yep. Yeah. That is pretty self-aware for early 20s. I definitely wouldn't have been that self-aware at that point in time, I don't think. <laughs> I'm sure I wasn't self-aware in many other ways, but I was pretty <laughs> conscious of what, what I wanted when it came to work. Yeah. Belle, you've, you've recently published your book, Solving the Part-Time Puzzle, which is fantastic. I've got a copy in, in the other room. Why did you decide to write it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think why... So I first became interested in the topic itself around how to succeed in a part-time role was for personal gain, really. I was working in part-time roles and found it challenging, as most people do, and really started looking into how, to, how can we all do this better. But as I started to unpick the topic and look into it more, what I realized that it wasn't just about personal gain for me. There's lots of benefits for organization for society, even for the economy of getting part-time work right. And I think it was that realisation that this is bigger than just my own personal interest that led me to think, how can I help other people do this better with what I'm learning? And therefore, write a book about it. Awesome. And it's like we were talking about this beforehand as well. Part-time work and flexible work, while it's, it's become a lot more visible in the last few years. It's still a relatively uncomfortable topic, I guess, mm. for, a, for a lot of people. And like looking, looking back on my own experiences with, with part-time work, I was, I was lucky enough to be able, I was in the position where I could work part-time after the birth of our first son, which was, which was fantastic. When my wife went back to work, I dropped my hours and, and started working part-time and then I've recently just had 11 months off as full-time dad, which has been absolutely amazing. amazing. But a couple of years prior to going part-time, one of the other dudes at my work 
drop down to part-time hours. And I was just like, why are you doing that? So I think there's like, even seeing from myself, there's, there's kind of that mental block around the, the benefits of part-time work. Although now that I've been involved in it, I obviously see them from my own personal perspective as, as something that is pretty awesome because it frees up space for other important things in my life. But if we're, if we're thinking about kind of trying to wrap our heads around part-time work and flexible work from like a, an organizational perspective, like why would it, why would an organization get on board with that? Mm. I think, I think you're right, Chris, I think it is a really uncomfortable topic for organizations in that the, this perception that it's really in zero sum game that it's, you know, lots of benefits for the individual who gets the part-time role, but that's at the expense of the team and the organization, the customers and everyone else around them who has to manage through it. And so for that reason, there's a lot of hesitance from organizations to want to create and really set part-time roles up for success. And so over the last, I don't know, let's say 20 to 30 years, it's mostly been women with young children working part-time and women have done an amazing job of driving their part-time landscape to where it is today. But that's because organizations have kind of got involved with the idea or in certain circumstances, like a mother who's got young children, we kind of have to offer it. It's the right thing to do. And in some cases, it's actually legislated that you need to do that. But outside that, it really, it really hasn't been something that they've been thinking about and it's really not something that they're looking to encourage and you know it's amazing to hear your stories of working part-time because I think in many cases it's been really challenging for men to take up part-time roles or get part-time arrangements because of that idea or this perception that you mentioned around well why would you want to do that that's going to damage your career and isn't that something women do and you know what on earth are you thinking so I'm not sure I've quite answered your question around what in it for organizations yet, but I'll have thought for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, it's a, it's an interesting reflection as well. And I, I think it's, I guess, part of the, part of the reason for my, I guess my mindset at the time was that I did only view it through that lens of, oh, this is for, this is for mothers of young families and like that's uh, horribly sexist thing to and I'm sorry about that but like at, at the time I, I think that was my that was my thinking about it and like even kind of coming from that as well when I stepped into full-time dad mode like I and I think I may have talked to you about this as well as like I wrestled with that decision for a for a period of time like my my wife was going back to work full time our, our youngest son was born a couple of months premature so we didn't want to rush him into daycare and she was she was talking about stepping aside from one of her her roles she's got multiple part-time roles actually which is yeah you should you should have a chat with her actually it'll be yeah, a fascinating one so stepping away from one of her her part-time roles so that she could she could look after our son but like from a, from a family perspective, it made so much more sense for me to do it. One, I was kind of, I was, I wasn't burnt out, but I was probably heading that way, I think. And also she earned a lot more money than I did as well. So financially from a family perspective, it, it, it definitely made sense for, mm. for that to happen. But I had this inner turmoil for, 
probably a couple of months kind of wrestling with that decision. But then we were talking about it one day and I just, I just said, Hey, look, I'll, I'll quit my job and I'll stay home with Jasper. And as soon as I said it, my face just broke into this massive grin. Like there was this huge smile that I had. I was like, ah, oh, this is the right thing to do. Mm. Why was I beating myself up or and tying myself in knots about it for like for such a period of time? And I can only kind of think it, it, it was that it was those kind of, I guess, social stereotypes that, that have like just been kind of reinforced into the way that we think about, about this topic for such a long period of time. And like, it's been, it's been awesome to connect with, with you and with, with people like Gillian Brooks as well, and kind of start to hear more of these discussions and, and start to, to see kind of more discussions, especially about dads and, and people who aren't parents. Taking on yeah. part-time, part-time work and part-time roles and, and flexible options as well, which is, which is cool. And again, if, if we, in a very roundabout way, loop back to mm. kind of the organizational perspective as well as like, it's, it's cool for, for us as individuals to be able to go and, and free up some space and free up some capacity to do awesome other important stuff in our, in our worlds. For, for the organization, yeah. like, how do they, how do they wrap their head around what's probably some, some kind of social stigma, some, some stories that are out there around like the necessity of part-time work? Mm. I think the simple way is to just really get clear on what the benefits are of creating more part-time roles in your organization. And lots of people and organizations just don't think about it or unaware of it. And once they are, they get on board more. So one of the, you know, just relating back to the many reasons why people might want to work part-time, not just parents, as we talked about, one of the very topical things that's on organizations' minds at the moment that's relevant is how do we attract and retain the best talent in a very hot talent market? And there are a lot of people out there who prefer or also need to work part-time. So it includes absolutely parents, but also other carers who just don't have the capacity to work full-time. It includes people with disabilities that preclude them from working full-time, but you know, many people in that category have amazing experience and skills and can contribute to your organisation. There's people who might want to take a phase transition to retirement. So it's a way to retain someone who's got lots of experience in your organisation who might otherwise retire straight away. Lots of people are interested in working part-time for a while. Lots of people. So some people have, you know, side businesses or side hustles. Professional athletes is an interesting one. There's a bunch apparently of professional athletes out there who do that part-time and who also want to work in organizations part-time. And then I the think, other really interesting, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and not just professional athletes as well. I think there's a lot of kind of semi-professional or amateur athletes who like, I, I used to work with Quentin Rowe, who was, he's been the race walking representative for New Zealand for what, the last 15 years. He's been to three or four Olympics now. He has to work. Mm. So, and he's a physio. So I yeah. was working with him and he worked kind of part-time hours so he could go out and train because obviously if he's walking 50 Ks in a racing need, there's a lot of training time that's involved mm. in that. So it, yeah, interesting. It, it's amateur or kind of high-level athletes that aren't, aren't paid or aren't funded as well. 
Mm, and sorry, yeah, cut, cut you off before your, your last important point. <laughs> no, not at all. The other interesting example I was going to share was I was talking to a friend of mine recently who had his own accounting firm and he hired someone in who is on a visa, you know, is a foreigner on a visa in Australia and the visa only permits him to work 20 hours. And apparently he found it really hard to get employment before he started working for my friend James. And James says he is the best employee. He's got such amazing skills and experience. He's dedicated. He's motivated. And yet no one wanted to employ him until James took him on. So yeah, there's lots and lots of reasons and lots of talent out there. Um, so that's one reason. Just kick off that question on why organizations should take this more seriously, but there's a bunch of others as well. Yeah. And like, I think from what I'm hearing with you as well is that like a lot of, a lot of the, the thinking around that is looking at the value that that person brings to the organization as well mm. and kind of not thinking about them just as like a, a bum on a seat who is doing kind of a, an automated role. It's these, like the, the people that you've talked about and the situations that you've talked about, like there's so many amazing people out there who have amazing experience and bring a really kind of robust skill set to a role and then a unique perspective as well. And, and I think like as, as leaders and as, as managers kind of viewing that, uh, and, and looking for that and mm. the people probably make it a whole lot easier to, to think about it in a, in a more flexible, in a more flexible capacity. I don't know what really? your thoughts are on that. No, I think it's this idea of how do we shape a role around a person rather than how do we have a very rigid role in terms of accountabilities and hours of work and try to fit people into that. If we can kind of flip it without thinking to the former. And I was actually talking to a legal firm in Australia who do exactly that, where as they hire people, they've got kind of loose job description, but they meet the people who are applying and they actually shape roles, not just the size of the roles. They've got a lot of people working part-time and in other flexible ways there. So they're happy to shape the size of the role of what flexibility looks like. But also, what are your unique talents that you bring? So yes, we need you to do A, B, and C because that's an essential part of the role. But how else could you add value to our organization based on your background, your experience, other things you've done in the past? So I just love this idea of how do we shape roles around people, including how do we make it the right size? And I think that really is the future for getting the best people in organizations. Yeah, that's a really, I guess, a really forward thinking way to, to look at it. Um, mm. with, with people who, I, I guess, the people who just think part-time work isn't going to work probably isn't. They're not going to be listening to our conversation here. And then you've got people like, that you have been working with that are, who are already doing it, which is fantastic. Mm. But kind of for those who are on the fence, say leaders, managers, or even, even kind of individuals, how can we move our thinking from thinking, ah, oh, maybe it's a good idea. I've got a bit of an awareness around like, these are, these are some of the positives with it. So actually let's give it a go. Let's experiment with it. I think for lots of people, it's about the practicalities. So I meet a lot of people who say, I love the idea or, you know, leaders of teams or organizations. I love the idea of creating more flexibility, including more part-time roles, 
but I just don't get how it could practically work. Yeah. And that could partly be based on experience of having people in part-time roles and it not working. And so I think the best way for lots of people to shift their thinking is to give them the practical tools for actually making it work. So some of the things that leaders and organizations need to be thinking about is how do we not just offer someone a part-time role, but how do we actually put structures in place and systems in place to make it truly part-time? So if it was previously a full-time role, for example, how do we shave off some of the work and reallocate it elsewhere? And that's a blocker for lots of people. They just think, well, everyone else is busy. That's impossible. But there's many, many ways you can go about that. And how do we get the systems? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, you got to do your five days work in four days. Exactly. Yeah. Full-time and just get paid. All on part-time pay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's a trap so many people fall into and why people themselves in part-time roles and organizations then go, well, this just doesn't work. It's impossible. So, but there's lots of ways that you can go about actually shaping a role that's truly part-time and finding things to do with the rest of the role if it was previously a full-time role. Could you give so us a couple thing. of ideas about, about some things that you could do to kind of, to shape that role? Mm, absolutely. So what I always recommend first is particularly, as I say, for in this scenario where someone was working full-time or there was another person in this role and it was full-time and you're turning it into a part-time role, is really map out what's involved in the full-time role. What are all the activities that you spend your time on when you're doing that role full-time? And then start pulling that apart, say, okay, what are the highest value and activities? And that can be based on just objectively, what are the things the organization most need doing or, you know, the things that are most important, but also based on the person who's coming into the role, what are they best at? Where can they add the most value based on their experience? So identifying those areas and saying, yes, absolutely, they're the things that should stay in the role. But then looking at the rest and saying, firstly, are there some things that we've just been doing in this role forever that don't need to be done? And often there is this non-value-add activity that you can just go, let's just stop that. Or are there some ways that we can automate this or make it more efficient or, you know, just make it take up less time? That's one thing. And then, of course, who else in the organisation, although this work isn't the best fit for this person in this role, if we're trying to, you know, cut it down to the things that are most critical, who else in the organisation might benefit from doing that work now. Are there people in the team who this would be a really great stretch experience for if they take on this accountability? Or are there people who we know in their career objectives it's to do this type of work next? So looking at, yes, people might be busy, but if there's something that's really important to them from a career or experience perspective, there's often a way to find a way for them to get involved. And then you might, of course, do the same to their role and think what in their role can they stop doing now because it's not as critical. So there's a few of the ways. The last one I'll just mention quickly is this is one that organizations and people never think of or rarely think of is let's say you've got 100% role, you reduce it to three days or 60%. You've suddenly got 40% of the previous salary left over. So sometimes hiring another person into the role might be a more junior person. You might look at a job sharing. And so you've got a bunch of salary that you can potentially allocate elsewhere to help take up the rest of the work that you've shaved off. Yeah. And if you hire someone junior, then you can spend the rest of morning teas. Totally. <laughs> you can make them full time. So what yeah. was 40% of a really senior person's salary might be a full time salary for someone quite entry level. So yeah. Yeah. And to go back to kind of the, the point that you made previously about, about looking almost like a task analysis of, of, of that role, like, I think it's really cool from 
one being able to pass out some of those other responsibilities to develop someone else, but also kind of from a, almost like a, from a hygiene perspective around your mm. practices as well as like, actually, here's just some superfluous stuff that you're filling up the spreadsheet and sending it off to someone that, and no one really looks at it anymore. Mm. So why don't, why don't we just get rid of that? Cause we're, we've got a better way to do this. So I think from a, like from a, a work practice hygiene perspective is like, that's, that's really probably really valuable to do. Even if you don't have someone going into wanting to kind of reshape their role in any, in any capacity. Absolutely. People get it. And I've had whole teams do this in the context of someone in the team working part-time. How do we take a team-based approach to unpicking our work like that and thinking about how do we best deliver our work as a team? Inevitably, everyone gets a lot of value either their part-time or full-time of doing that picking and analysis. So. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. Okay. So we've, we've kind of, we've been shifting, shifting leaders and managers mindsets around, around part-time work for people like me five years ago, well, no, maybe six years ago, seven years ago. How do you, how could I be thinking differently or how could be the people that are sitting on the fence about, about flexible work? How can we move their mindsets and move, move. I guess their, their curiosity around what their, what their world might look like, because we were talking mm-hmm. earlier as well about like the last couple of years and probably, well, at least for people, for myself and for people in my circle as well as like, it's, it's raised a few questions about our values and about the way that we live our lives and kind of what we're hoping to achieve. And it, I, I don't know if it's like, it's purely COVID related or if it's, young family related, or if it's, I'll be, I'll be 40 next year, kind of time of life related, or if it's, it's probably all of those things rolled up into a, into a ball and just kind of re rethinking, like, where do I want to go from here? Like, how do I want to live? What's, what's important to me? And I think like we've, we've talked that I flexible work for me, like as my boys grow up is, is really important and having that that flexibility to kind of be there around school hours, or at least be there some of the time around school hours and have my wife be there some of the time around school hours. So yeah, how do we, how do we kind of get people a little bit more curious about exploring this topic for themselves and a way that might kind of lead to living a more meaningful life? I think one thing is that we need to see more people role modeling it. And so especially people in senior roles. So if you've got someone who's interested in a big career, but feels like if I take up a flexible or part-time work option, that's going to be at the expense of my big career. One of the ways that we can shift that mindset is around having more senior people in organizations, actually working part-time and showing that it's possible and something that the organization supports. And one of the things that I did in my book is interview a bunch of really senior leaders who work part-time and do it successfully, partly to learn how they did it, but partly just to have those stories in there to show people what's possible. And I interviewed both men and women, and I think in the end there's more stories from men in the book as well. So I think that's another element of the role modelling back to our conversation around up till now part-time work has largely been something that's taken up by women, not entirely, but more often than not. And so how do we have people role modelling? It can help 
help shift people's mindsets if they're seeing more people do it. But I also think just asking yourself those questions, like you were just talking about, you know, where do I want to go with my life? What would I, in an ideal world, like to spend time in my week doing? If, you know, let's say if money wasn't an object or if worrying about what other people thought about me wasn't an object or it wasn't a concern, how would I ideally spend my week? And in 10 years' time, when I look back, what would I love to have achieved? And is everything in that bucket work related or are there lots of other things I'd like to spend my time on? And therefore, how might I structure my work and my life differently? So I think a bit of self-reflection can be helpful as well as just seeing more people doing it and doing working in different ways. Yeah. And that's a topic that I did want to explore with you as well is that I mean, the the role model stories in, in your book are are awesome. And I think like if we're thinking about like if we kind of put a performance lens on over it and it's like, okay, I've got these things that I want to achieve. I want to, I don't know, become a CEO or I want to kind of really progress in my career as well as doing this other stuff here. Have those, have those people in those positions switched their role to part-time since they arrived there or did they get there in a part-time capacity as well? Mm, that's a great question because most of the time these days, the way people get part-time roles is by working in an organization full-time, building up a level of credibility and then asking to go part-time. But a number of the leaders I interviewed had actually gone into quite senior level roles and applied for a role that was full-time, asked if they could do it part-time and successfully negotiated that, which is still quite unusual. And one person in particular in my book, I recall his story was that the organization that he was applying to work with were really not that keen on the idea. And so they said to him, why don't you trial working full-time for six months with us. And then if that's all going smoothly, we'll reassess your request to work part-time. And so he flipped it and he said, actually, why don't we do the reverse? Why don't I come in? I work part-time for six months. And if it's going really well, we'll keep it like that. And if it's not, then we'll reassess. And so they agreed. And six months in, no one actually even mentioned it to him. He just, it was going so well that no one brought up the conversation again. And he's been working part-time with that organization ever since. Sweet. That's, that's really cool. And I guess like part of the, like, if you were, if you're coming into those negotiations with your, with your employer, like what are some helpful things for you to be thinking about as you, as you pitch this idea to them? So definitely back to that role scoping that we've talked about, you want to have a think about, here's my ideas on what I can do. Let's say you want to work three days a week or four days a week, whatever it is. Here's what I understand the full-time role entails. Here's what, here's how I propose we restructure it to a part-time role and even some ideas on what could be done with the rest of the work. If you're going into an organization you haven't worked for before, your understanding of level of detail around the role will be a bit less than if you know the role well, but just having some ideas on, I've got a toolkit, you know, I really understand how to restructure all and here's how I propose we do it would be one thing. Also having some stories up your sleeve of other people who work in similar roles or similar levels of roles part-time and how you've seen it or heard it work well in other organizations. Of course, if you're, you know, the person they want most for the role, you've also got that as your bargaining chip, you know, this is the only option for me. So being quite clear on if you want me to be in your organization, um, this is this is what I what I want and working full time is not going to be an option. But then just broadly talking to them about 
this is where the future of work is heading. Organizations are looking at more and different forms of flexibility. I'm happy to help you, you know, be an employer who can get part-time work right. If you're not doing it much, you know, they can use me as a pilot and just sharing what you know. So make sure you do know this around why part-time work is great for organizations. So getting good talent, it can be good for productivity. We talked about, you know, freeing up some budget to spend on other things. Lots of reasons why why it can be good. And also diversity, of course, as we talk through all the reasons people might want to work part-time earlier, probably clear that this is also an issue of diversity. If you want to attract the best, but also the most diverse talent, thinking about part-time work is really important. Yeah. And Belle, how do you, how do you scope your role, the work that you do? (laughs) Interesting. So I work for myself now. And so it's interesting because it's very different. The book that I wrote and when I work with people, it's really focused on in an organization where you're an employee. So thinking about how do I scope my work, it's a little bit different, but what I guess I think about first is how many days a week do I want to work? And then what does my work involve? So the work that I do at the moment, it involves selling work, it involves designing work, and it involves delivering work. And so I have to make sure over a period of time that I can fit all those things in. But you can have big chunks of time where I was just talking to Earl about how I'm in a design phase at the moment. So I'm actually not doing that much selling and delivering for the next few weeks because I'm just going to design. And so sometimes as I'm talking, what I'm thinking is I've got to be really clear that you can't do everything all at once. Because when you've got your own business, that's the temptation to think I've got to work all the time and do everything all at once and be all things to all people or I'm not going to make any money or I'm going to miss out on all these opportunities. And there's always more stuff to do. There's always more stuff to do. So I think for me, it's being really clear on what are the things I need to do in my business and what's the most important thing to focus on this week? How can I maybe fit some other little things in? But just being really clear and constantly reminding myself you can't do everything. And also being really clear on here's why I want these days off. At the moment for me, it's about spending time with my five-year-old who's not at school yet on my days off. And what's the cost of just letting creep work into those days? It's not what I want. And if I look back on this year and, you know, notice that I've spent all my Fridays working while she's in front of the TV, it's not what I want and not where I want to go. So keeping that in mind. Yeah, cool. And that was a really selfish question as well for me as like, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of step into working for myself more, more and more as well. Well, if people want to pick up your book or mm-hmm. want to get in contact with you, where's the best place for them to do that? So my website's probably the best place. So belindamorgan.com and you can buy my book on there. You can also buy it on all the online retailers. You can also sign up to my newsletter down the bottom of my website if you're interested with fortnightly tips around working flexibly. Also, I'm on LinkedIn, so do feel free to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. And it'll be really helpful for ideas and for stories as well to pitch to your to your employer if you are if you're negotiating a part time part time or flexible work option as well. Well, I've got some questions that I like to ask everyone, and these are like these are a kind of a sharp left turn from our topics today, but. The first one is, do you have any strategies that you use when you're approaching uncomfortable situations? So perhaps if you are going to negotiate a part-time role or thinking about negotiating your first part-time role, 
So strategies for me, I do a few things. Sometimes I listen to a song that's really energizing. So I like Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars is one of my go-to songs. If you're feeling uncomfortable, then kind of getting yourself in a more positive mood with some music can be helpful. Also thinking about, I guess this is similar tips to I'd provide with if someone said I'm not feeling confident in a situation. So maybe there's overlap here. Think of all the times that I've been successful in the past, maybe in similar situations or maybe in different situations would be the second one. So just think back, I can do this. I've done something similar or I've faced challenges that are equally as hard and managed to overcome them would be probably my second tip. And then just, and I'm sure this is something, and I know this is something you talk about a lot, Chris, just being okay with the idea that I'm going to go in and give it my best. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. I've tried. Nice. And how do you, are there things that you do proactively to build your capacity to tackle challenging situations? Probably I try to do a little bit of yoga every day. So thinking about how do you look after your own well-being? And for me at the moment, something that I can easily put in is a little bit of yoga at home and a walk when I can. So I think that's for me, one of the things that's really important. Yeah, that's probably the main one that comes to yeah. mind, actually. And yoga is yoga's an interesting one. Like it's it's physically reasonably uncomfortable as you get into some of those those poses. And I always find with ro- yoga, like it's you can't you can't force your way into some of those positions. Like you've got to kind of slowly find your way and mm. just move into them and and stop when you've had enough and let your body adapt to it as well. And I think it's like yoga is probably quite a nice metaphor for building, building your capacity for challenges, like moving into a bit of discomfort, mm. taking a, taking a break when you need to, before yeah. going, going further and, and kind of figuring out the right way at the time. Yeah. I love it. And being okay that you're never going to be able to do something. My hamstrings are just never going to be the most flexible <laughs> hamstrings ever. So the something's in yoga I just can't do. And that's you okay. can improve them though, Ben. You will be able to improve them. <laughs> We're talking in in five years' time and uh, <laughs> doing the splits in all sorts of different directions. Maybe. <laughs> one, one other question, and you've kind of partially answered it already, is like, what do you do to look after your health? Mm. So definitely what I just mentioned around thinking about a little bit of exercise every day. Outdoors for me is probably the other thing. So I live in Sydney, but I'm lucky to live in an area where there's beaches and lots of bushland too. So for me, if I'm ever feeling like I'm not on top of the world, just getting outside into nature is a big one. Yeah. Nice. Val, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. It's been, it's been an awesome conversation. I definitely recommend if you're thinking about kind of living a meaningful life and the role that work plays in that is picking up Bell's book. There's so many lessons in it, not just for people in organizations, but for people who are, who are doing their own thing as well. So thanks again, Bell, for, for spending some time with me. Thanks, Chris. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with us today. I always love these conversations. If you want to have a, hear a guest, if you want to have a topic explored, if you want to ask a question, please send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz uh, and we can get onto that for you. 
you want to support the show, the best way that you can do that is subscribe on your favorite podcast app and make sure to share it out with some of your mates as well. Thank you to Health Mentors, the sponsor of the show today. If you want to improve your health and your performance in the middle of a chaotic world, make sure to check out healthmentors.nz or send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz for a no-obligation chat. Thank you so much to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music to the show. And thank you to you guys for tuning in and listening all the way to the end. We'll see you all again next week.